Welcome to the Intellinair Podcast, a show about the intersection of technology and agriculture. I'm your host, Jack Heald. This is one in a series of interviews we've titled Thought Leaders in Agriculture. We sit down and talk with some of the most respected thinkers, inventors, and investors in the world of agriculture to find out what's new, what's exciting, and what to watch out for. Today's guest is John Power, founder and president of LSC International, a Chicago-based consultant to participants in the global agri-food chain. John holds advanced degrees from University College Dublin and Harvard Business School and is considered one of the most respected thinkers and speakers in the world of digital agriculture. John, what I think that all means is you know your stuff. Hopefully. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, it's good to have you here. Um, let me ask you a question, John. If you were going to give a state of agriculture speech today, what are the main points that you'd, that you'd make? Well, um, basically, I, my focus uh, would be on the uh, crop sector. Obviously, agriculture is a very broad uh, sector. And uh, speaking specifically about the crop sector, uh, primarily the Midwest, uh, clearly uh, we're in a very uh, difficult situation uh, with regard to commodity prices. And uh, it's a challenging period, very challenging period. And uh, that would be the first uh, point I would make. And secondarily, uh, we're also in, in a essentially demographic change. Uh, the average age of a farmer in the U.S. is around 59, and uh, there are three times as many farmers over 65 as under 35. So we're shifting uh, gradually to a younger demographic in farming, and uh, also the other major element would be uh, further consolidation. Uh, farm operations are getting larger, and uh, that trend will continue. So let's talk about commodity prices. Are, is is the pressure that we're seeing today? Does it is it is it different in character than pricing pressures that we've seen in the last forty years, um, or is this just a cyclical kind of thing? Well, it's it's mainly cyclical. Um, the interesting thing is that. There have been several years uh, with, let's say, uh, almost optimal production on a worldwide basis in the various key commodities. And so there hasn't been a major weather event uh, that has really affected the overall situation. So uh, basically, we're, we're, we're coming off quite a few years of very substantial uh, production. And, of course, what that does is it drives up the inventories and uh, then drives down the prices. Of course, the current uh, dispute with China and the tariffs on soybeans uh, is a very, a very important event. That's a, obviously a very specific event. Yes, and I should uh, just make a note here for our, our readers and listeners that we're conducting this interview the day after the EU caved into uh, Trump uh, in regard to a wide range of commodity prices, just so folks know when we're having this conversation. Um, talk about demographic change. 
how do these demographic change and, and demographic changes are are slow coming but 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 very difficult to resist how do those demographic changes that you described what's the cascading impact of of these demographic changes well uh, i think the the main impact obviously is that you will have a new generation of farmers and uh, these farmers uh essentially are well-educated uh, college graduates uh, from uh, land-grant universities for the most part, but from a variety of different uh, institutions. And uh, much more, uh, let's say, management-orientated ori- ori- rather than lifestyle-orientated. Mm. And uh, I think that uh, particularly in relation to uh, digital uh, agriculture, uh, these are the farmers that are going to be uh, the adopters of this type of new agriculture. Basically, their expectations will be different. And uh, they are essentially uh, building their uh, business using digital technology. Some of the technology is, is, is very usable, uh, like uh, auto steer and GPS type technologies. And certainly, uh, these have been heavily adopted by the whole farming community. And in fact, uh, that enables older farmers to continue basically their activities because it doesn't have quite the same level of physical demands as in the past. Now, when we talk uh, about data-driven agriculture, which is something I, I see as a focus of yours, which technologies are the most promising in the near future? Well, I think first I would say that the the technologies that have been most widely adopted, um, and it's certainly by far the majority of, of row crop farmers, are auto steer and yield monitors. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of precision agriculture uh, type activities that uh, are being adopted, uh, adopted quite reasonably widely. The newer type technologies are basically around aerial image analytics and uh, enterprise systems software for the total farm. Uh, one of the uh, challenges in agriculture is that uh, until recently, there weren't too many ways to really have an enterprise planning system, and uh, these now exist. So uh, essentially, uh, it's more and more precision and uh, using data to make decisions rather than the traditional uh, intuitive or, let's say, relationship-based uh, decision-making. What it sounds like you're describing is that the, the farmer of the, of the near future is going to be operating much more like the CEO of an enterprise than has traditionally been the role of the farmer in the past. Well, yeah, the uh, farm a farm is an enterprise, is a business, and uh, some farms are significant size businesses, like fifty hundred million dollar businesses. Yes, it'll definitely be operating more as a as as a business, and uh, there are still a lot of very particular variables that have to be managed. You know, the systems are being put in place now, and. Um, some years ago, John Deere came out with a video that's still available that sort of shows mission control for the farm. 
And uh, ultimately, something along those lines is what we're going to see. You said that um, every business is becoming a software-as-a-service business. How is that true for agribusiness today? And and talk about the direction it's going here in the in the the near future. Let's say the next five years. Well, basically, uh, I think it's a it's a general trend um, that uh, value is moving from hardware commodities to services, and obviously, uh, software is what underp- underpins the services. So uh, we're going to see uh, more and more value uh, in basically the service side of agriculture rather than the hardware side. I'm with you so far. Um, I'm, I'm putting myself in the, the, the seat of a farmer who's got 15,000 acres of, of corn or soybeans and uh, saying to himself, that's not software, that's, that's real commodity. That's something that is affected by weather and pests and, and weeds and, and nutrients. How is, how is that guy looking at his business? How does he need to look at his business differently? Well, I, I think that the, the, it's, it's going to be uh, capturing the data streams and then um, assembling that so that he has a complete farm view as to what's happening on his farm. And uh, you have the, the challenge of operating a complex um, operation uh, in real time because during the season things happen in real time. And then you also have uh, post-season uh, uh, the planning for the next cycle, next season. So uh, essentially, uh, this is going to be very much based on software and data rather than um, just sort of intuition. So talk about the obstacles to that, to that future. What obstacles have to be overcome for these technologies to, to take hold? Um, in the well, I think, market? yes, I think that the, you know, the classic uh, adoption curve uh, which, by the way, was developed in the for using hybrid corn as the case uh, at Iowa State when the classic adoption curve that's now used throughout the uh, industry, um, all industry. Um, basically, uh, you have the early adopters, so you have the most advanced farmers, and they put a lot of attention into new technologies and they will put a lot of effort into um, using those technologies. Um, then you have essentially a second group, the early adopters, uh, and they are uh, still quite advanced, very advanced farmers, but they will see what the innovators have done, and then they will uh, gradually adopt that. And uh, what's happening is that I recall from a focus group session, basically the innovators, we had a focus group with innovators, and they were saying, well, in the past, we used to have a five-year advantage. We think now we have a two- or three-year advantage. 
So uh, things are moving more quickly. So uh, you have a lot of challenges, basically uh, technology understanding, the need for training, broadband connections. There are a lot of those issues that are challenging specifically in this sector. The leading farmers uh, are finding ways to uh, get around that. So if I hear you right, what you're saying is the standard adoption curve for any new technology applies in this industry. And those who, who are wanting to get in on what's happening from an investment standpoint can look at this model as it's, as it's been applied in the tech industry in general. Is that, am I hearing you right? Yeah, absolutely. So think about um, technologies that the innovators, the, the, the earliest adopters are using today. Which of those have the best opportunity to help the, the fat part of the curve farmers right now? Well, I think that the, um, the area that, uh, you know, I feel has great potential that's still at a quite an early stage, still at the innovator stage is the use of aerial imagery and aerial imagery analytics. A lot of, uh, effort goes into scouting on the ground. Basically every farmer mix up in the morning and the first thought that the farmer has is what is the condition of my crop? How is my crop? And um, I see uh, aerial imagery analytics as a very good technology that if used correctly can really uh, give the farmer the kind of insight the farmer needs to manage the operation in real time very effectively. Some years ago, there was a great deal of attention uh, to drones, and uh, that has not really moved forward because of the just the, this, the difficulty of uh, managing drones, dealing with the data you collect and the challenges around data collection. Uh, satellite is pretty common now, used extensively, uh, but it's like a, got a resolution problem. And so right. we think that the sweet spot is actually fixed-wing aircraft-based uh, imagery because you get the resolution, you get the timeliness, and uh, that's really what you need to drive uh, analytical models. What data must the business capture, secure, and analyze to maximize the value of its offerings? How does the how does the business manage ownership and access right to its products and service data? Both of those, I, I felt, were really insightful questions. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? So these are these are like a challenge, as in in all sectors, is uh, the established companies are essentially facing issues what 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 they're going to do. Uh, to take advantage of digital technology. You know, in terms of the ag sector, uh, these are a set of questions that we developed uh, for various uh, clients, and we feel that uh, pretty well any agribusiness needs to address these the, these issues. So the, the first one is got to understand your business and basically uh, figure out what products and, and service capabilities should you pursue. 
and it's mainly on the service side. The data is absolutely critical, and uh, there are many players in in the ag space, in the supply chain, who have lots and lots of data, but uh, they haven't really focused on what the value of that data is and how they can capture that data, analyze the data, basically who owns the data. Sometimes um, farmers feel they own the data. Other times uh, retailers feel they own the data. What are the access rights for the data? Essentially, people need to work through that. One of the things that's very important is that the value of the data is really when it's aggregated. Um, And, of course, it can be aggregated on an anonymous basis. The value of data at the individual farm level is valuable for the farmer, but uh, not in and of itself great value for other people. So you need sort of to utilize the data at the farm level uh, for the benefit of the individual farmer, but uh, also it's it's going to be very valuable to aggregate the data and to find the patterns that come out of that. Wow. So we're talking about, for example, in the, in, I, I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. Um, with the aerial imaging, a company that's doing aerial imaging, with the farmer as their customer, that data that they're collecting as they're collecting it across a wide swath of fields in the same general area, there's there's tremendous value in that aggregated data. That's essentially where the value wow. is. Wow. And one other thing, by the way, um, just in sort of in principle, the two data sets that really are big data are weather, like hyper-local weather, huge data sets. And the other one is aerial imagery, because when you collect high-resolution imagery on hundreds of thousands or millions of acres, uh, those become very, very big data sets. Oh, yeah. and uh, very fast. Can you talk about maybe the qualities and the characteristics of better collaborators versus worse collaborators? Well, I, I, this is really sort of focused on one particular thing, which is that um, the, in the, the established companies, and I'm thinking particularly of uh, like retailers um, who are like, both well, the retailer is both a seller of inputs and a purchaser of commodities of the grains mm-hmm. uh, and oil seeds. Uh, the they need to collaborate with essentially startup companies, and uh, it's frequently quite difficult for the retailers for the distribution system to really do that and uh, you know you have the the sort of s-curve problem in that somebody's got a startup and they're doing something but it's not quite as good as what's been done right now in the field but can be improved very rapidly that's hard to deal with right. and then on the other side uh, the startups desperately need access to the market and so they do need the distribution. So um, essentially, um, this focus here on this point is really around the collaboration between startups 
and established uh, distribu distributors. There is one thing that we haven't talked about, which um, is a sort of a area that I'm very interested in, and and you know the fundamental challenge. There are a couple of challenges with digital technology in agriculture. Are many challenges, but um, a concern is that the adoption rate has not been as ex as fast as expected. And this is obviously a big concern for the investors uh, in the sector. And, uh, uh, you know, people are like kind of trying to understand that. Right. And, and the, the, the other one is basically, at, I think a key driver on the adoption rate is value creation and value capture. And, uh, you know, the, the, this is a, this is a really, really core issue in the, in the business. Okay. So if you take a look at that, that slide deck, slide number 10, um, basically focuses on that point. And, um, yeah, you know, the, 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 the fundamental challenge is that you have many, many, uh, technologies. You have right. many, many um, technology providers and developers, both very large, large, very major corporations and startups, and each of them develop a specific technology. And you know, they're, they they will do testing. They will do uh, gather information. They will you know come up with. Uh, basically, um, benefits, um, for that. And then they will go to the farmer. Well, the problem for the farmer is that, uh, the farmer is actually the technology integrator. Right. <laughs> and, and like the farmer is the least qualified in the sense to do that. Right. Uh, because the very few farmers have an IT department. There are some, but not very many have IT people on staff. And so, so like this, this is a very big issue. And, uh, so, and then it's, it's tough for the farmer to really, really see. Uh, so to gain traction, you know, something like, you know, you have to be able to show that you can increase yield, um, in many cases, you know, and if you can show that and prove that, um, you know, there are ways to do that. Obviously, cost is a is a crucial element, particularly in the current environment, because the cost is something the farmer can control. And, uh, you know, so being able to show direct effects, uh, again, is very important. And the other two items that, uh, you know, I've, emphasized in speaking about this is time uh, because uh, farmer his number one his or her resource actually is time and uh, during the particularly during the season um, you know there's tremendous uh, uh, demands on time so anything that basically makes life more complicated and makes takes up time 
is not a very good idea. And uh, then the final point is is quality of life. And um, basically that uh, a farmer can put in a, a, you know, a long day of work and doesn't sort of come home in the evening completely exhausted. Right. And uh, technologies like auto steer have enabled that. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, farmers who are, uh, let's say, quite senior uh, can still play an active role and, 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 and help the operation uh, because of the technology. Because like with auto steer, in essence, it's like spending a, the day at, a day at the office. Right. And, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the equipment is basically running itself. The, the ability to execute is, 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 is a crucial factor. And that's sort of, you know, uh, these are companies that are in the startup mode. Some have quite a, quite a large amount of resources. Others have less. But uh, it's not like a multibillion-dollar uh, group. These are are essentially startups that are having an impact, um, and uh, you know have resources, and uh, you know I think that uh, you know can can you know they, they they are positioned to to really advance in this space. There is one other sort of broad issue. Um, which is that uh, it's a debate about um, what's needed in the marketplace, tools or solutions. And uh, clearly, um, you know, there's a, they, uh, what, the, what the farmer wants, what the f- customer needs is solutions. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of this uh, technology actually is sort of like tools, Right. And, um, you know, because of the, let's say, capacity to adopt, um, coming with a tool might or might not work. And it might work for certain people who have a particular skill set. But obviously what's really needed is solutions and particularly a solution that's easy to implement. Right. And, um, you know, I think that the, the, uh, situation with something like the aerial imagery analytics is an example of a solution that is very implementable because in essence, you're going to push the results to the farmer and the farmer, you know, only needs to be concerned about, you know, what, what the outcome is and then sort of what kind of action the farmer should be taking. Right. So kind of connecting the dots here, we've got, we've got a situation where we've got uh, a generation that did not grow up with technology that's aging out of the market. Um, we've got a much smaller segment of the entire market that is very tech, tech um, comfortable, tech savvy even. And you've got the confluence of those two demographic changes occurring along with uh, the advent of, of big data, analytics, all coming together to form what, what looks to me like a tremendous opportunity for these, 
for startups that are in the right place at the right time with a solution rather than a tool. Am I summarizing that well? Yeah, yeah. And and obviously it's not being done in isolation because um, major players, John Deere and, um, you know, DuPont Pioneer, uh, Corteva, as it's now called, um, you know, um, Monsanto, Bayer, Climate, uh, all of these players are, you know, have already and are investing very, very large amounts, literally billions, uh, into this area. You were offered uh, a position as uh, on the member of the board of advisors for one of those startups, Intellinaire. What was it about Intellinaire that piqued your interest uh, so that you accepted that uh, that invitation? Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm an investor in Intellinaire. It was one oh. of an earlier investor in Intellinaire. It's part of a group, uh, angel group we have here in Chicago, Harvard Business School Angels of Chicago. And uh, we were one of the early investors uh, in Intellinaire. So it was in that context, actually, that uh, that uh, I got involved with Intellinaire. Uh what impressed me about Intellinaire were, were a couple of things. Uh, first, uh, obviously, the technology is very, very strong, and the background of the founders, uh, very strong, and experience in technology. But they obviously didn't have uh, exposure to the ag sector, to the ag market. So uh, uh, that was an interest of mine to help them uh, basically go up the learning curve as fast as possible. And uh, I found that uh, certainly they were very, very willing to do that. Uh, the other thing that impressed me uh, about the, uh, the approach that Intellinaire has had is really to work directly with farmers and to understand the challenge that the farmer has and then bring the technology to solve the farmer's problem, uh, provide a solution. Um, this was this is not the like sort of the typical case, which is a technology push, and uh, you're trying to get the technology accepted one way or the other. Uh, this was much more working directly with actual farmers and really learning about their needs and working with them and iterating very quickly on uh, on the product. So those are the things that really impressed me about uh, Intellinaire. One of the things about uh, Intellinaire and about the uh, this particular space is that uh, I think it addresses another issue which we haven't touched on, which is that a great deal of the data in the ag sector is very low quality. This is true across all sectors, but certainly is true in the ag sector. And there are all kinds of reasons for that. And what's very interesting with the approach that Intellidare has is that the data collection process is controlled by the company, and it doesn't involve the farmer. It can be done remotely, so to speak. Right. And uh, I believe that this is a crucial element because, you know, you're controlling the, pr- the collection process, you're processing the data. And so, in essence, you're building a data set from, you know, so from inception that really is of high quality. 
And ultimately, uh, that will be very, very important. Well, John, I appreciate your time today. This has been Jack Heald talking with John Power, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you, Jack. All right. This has been the Intellinair podcast. Intellinair's proprietary ag MRI technology delivers actionable in-season insights to the health of your corn and soybeans through real-time automated analysis of aerial imagery. I'm your host, Jack Heald. For a transcript of today's podcast, visit us at intellinair.com slash blog.